From the movie house to your widescreen at home, Radio 111's Going to the Cinema and the streaming services on Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. So grab your popcorn and beverage of choice and step into our screening room for our weekly forum on film. Now, here's Brian. Thor has to face off against another villain played by uh, Christian Bale, and he enlists the help of his girlfriend who becomes the mighty Thor and his friend Valkyrie. Now, this is one of those movies where, I'm going to be honest, it's a mixed bag, but we're going to talk about how you might actually enjoy seeing it, even though it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Welcome back to Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. I hope you've had fun, and I hope you've been watching a lot of good movies and honestly i hope that none of the teenagers who went to go see the minions disturbed you you know like i actually went to go see minions and that was pretty fun but um i saw a bunch of teenagers there so i'm thinking you know what i wonder if the gentle minions meme has affected anyone near where i live so hopefully no one's interrupted your film going experience when you go see minions or any movie because i've heard a lot of interesting things Again, welcome back. We're going to talk about Thor Love and Thunder, which is the fourth movie in the Thor franchise and then the how many movie in the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is Crimson Hemsworth's fourth solo, you know, Thor movie and this is the mo- a very interesting movie in the sense that like it is Natalie Portman's return to the franchise. Natalie Portman has had a very um rocky relationship with the character of jane foster who is thor's girlfriend now ex-girlfriend now mighty thor because of the fact that like the character had always been not the best written in the comics but directors like kenneth brana and directors like patty jenkins who was going to direct thor 2 honestly tried really hard to like give some depth to that character but unfortunately marvel just wasn't really interested in that and i think that's a shame because a lot of like love interests are introduced in the marvel cinematic universe and they're not given a lot of character development and i'm so glad that jane foster is getting this opportunity and that natalie portman is able to finally actually give her performance that she's been wanting to give now natalie portman does a really good job as the mighty thor and i just think that her storyline which uh, specifically is an adaptation of the mighty thor run where jane foster gets cancer spoiler for anyone who hasn't read the comics but she gets cancer and so she becomes the mighty thor essentially to uh, she becomes the mighty thor essentially after that is like the catalyst for that i don't know it's one of those things where like i gotta be very careful not to spoil the comic but essentially in the movie she is called to battle after getting a cancer diagnosis a really severe one and so she basically becomes the mighty thor because the mjolnir wants to go uh, went ahead and just recruited her for that (laughs) It's one of those things where, like, when you actually say these storylines, I was thinking about it as I was saying, and I was like, okay, some of this stuff is actually kind of ridiculous, but, you know, that's the thing about comic books is that they're 
ridiculous and that's totally fine with me Lo uh, thor love and thunder does a pretty decent job of adapting these two specific comics um the comic book storyline of Go uh, gore played by christian bell is this character who is the god butcher who's going around killing gods and so thor has to save a group of asgardian children that gore has kidnapped in his attempt to kill all the gods and, and one of the things that is interesting is that it's combined with the Jane Foster storyline because, well, Jane Foster is called in to basically defeat this character or help defeat it. Now, the thing about Jane Foster is that I really did like her character, so I'm glad that this is a movie where her character is given some more development, and I think this is a movie that's driven by good performances like christian bell does a wonderful job as gore he is wonderfully over the top in a way that's really compelling he is emotional in those scenes where he has to be like there's this character he has this um connection with his daughter and it's actually really well done i mean the fact is it's going to be cheesy because i think that um <laughs> i just think that the storyline is a little cheesy to be quite honest with you, but I get that Christian Bale can really sell it. So some people might actually not think it's cheesy because he sells it, and that's totally cool with me, right? The thing about this movie, too, is that you know, Chris Hemsworth has had a really great job as Thor. He is someone who's really benefiting and ripping, reaping all the successes of being Thor and he's never really had the chance to really show Thor in a way that's really compelling. The first two Thor movies are not very fun movies. I mean, maybe Thor is like, the first one is okay. it's a it's a good movie somewhere. Thor, The Dark World I had issues with. I just think that it was a bit of a disappointment and Thor Ragnarok was definitely an improvement. Thor Love and Thunder gives him another chance to really shine and I really love that he is not only on point with the comedy, he is on point with the dramatic stuff too. And and that's where I have sort of an issue. These are really good performances and Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman and Christian Bale and Tessa Thompson, who does a really good job as King Valkyrie. They all have these really great performances and they are able to, you know what I mean, like actually dig their claws into this material. But then the material quickly switches very quickly. This is a movie that's really quickly paced. Like, I understand there's a four-hour cut, and I almost feel like they need to release it. Because the two hours that they have right in here, it feels like they have cut so much that we go from one thing to another. And there are moments where, like, you ask yourself, hey, why didn't we see this scene? And the character would kind of dismiss it as unimportant, but it feels like something's missing. Like, when they get these disguises, there's this part where somebody's like, hey, what happened to the characters that wore those disguises? And Valkyrie he's like don't worry about it and i thought that see that's funny but it feels like that would have been funny if i had seen what had happened first it's sort of like something brutal would have happened and valkyrie just sort of dismisses like nothing i can see the humor there if we saw this scene and and the fact is it goes for the dramatic parts too because there were parts of the film that i didn't exactly see like we didn't see like mighty thor come to be we didn't see like that interaction we sort of saw mighty um jane foster looking at Mjolnir, and then the next second she shows up as the mighty thor and so you ask yourself like where are these scenes at where 
are they? And so for me, it feels like they go by so quickly that you're not really sitting with these moments. Even though they're good moments, that's the thing is that these actors really do sell these moments and there's a lot of like things where it feels like this is the end of an arc, but I need to see the arc, you know? And for me, I think Jane Foster and uh, Thor, those two characters really benefit from having a strong love story that could have been done better with a four with the four hour cut. I imagine like the fact is that there's a lot of stuff that's missing from that. And I did feel like there was a lot of emphasis on flashbacks and not the present moment. And that's to me really important is to have those present moment stuff. And who knows what would have been in the four hour cut? Maybe it would have not been so good. But I, I do feel like there's this like idea of I, I, I think there's this really good quote someone said was that it feels like a studio edit, like a radio edit, I mean. And so you get what you want. Like the radio edit is a song that you're listening to, but it's missing like a few things that would have enhanced the song. It's like when I was listening to that one famous Christmas song, uh, the Christmas in New York song that everyone remembers that's like has a lot of cuss words in it. Like they take out a whole verse from that song. Sure, you listen to the song now, the radio edit, and you're like, you know what? This song actually is pretty good. It's a really strong song because it's about loneliness and finding community within even the most toxic of situations. But it's missing that the vulgarity of the song that when it's not being edited for radio. So it feels like, again, that we're missing a lot of emotional context for scenes that are good. But I still feel like I need more scenes. So when I was watching it, I didn't feel as emotionally invested as I should have been, even though, again, it's a lot of fun. And I think a lot of people will look at this as like a fun, funny movie. And it is. It's funny, colorful. I actually was laughing most of the time. I thought it was really just I even think the screaming goat spit was like, okay, like this is the only movie that's allowed to have that. Right. I just don't think the rest of the movie really works as well as those funny bits. And I think that the performances elevate the dramatic moments, but they're not allowed to really, you know, be with you. You know, you're not really resonating with them because, again, you feel like there's something missing. And I don't want to say that about Thor and Love and Thunder because there is, the ending is really impactful. It does have a really good ending. I think the beginning is really good. I think parts of the middle are what's really missing is that emotional context. So like when Jane and Thor have that important conversation, I do feel that well where is the storyline here where is it where is like the emotion i should be feeling i feel something i i feel bad or i feel like this is an important conversation and i'm glad that this that this that the film is doing that but i'm also thinking why am i not feeling as much that's really it it's a it's a fun movie but you're just not going to feel as invested as you should be and, uh, but I'm glad Taika Waititi is the director of this franchise, and I'm, I'm hoping to see what Thor 5 was going to look like. I don't know if he's going to direct it, but I hope he does. I would love to see Taika Waititi direct Thor 5 and see where his character journey goes, because I do want to see how he ends the franchise. I know that maybe Thor 5 might not even be the end, but I think Thor 5, just to complete this trilogy, this trilogy of... 
uh, Taika Waititi Thor movies, which I think he should have been the director from day one with Thor, Thor, um, The Dark World. He could have directed those movies really well. So it just shows that he cares a lot about these characters. And one thing I want to point out is that there's a lot of pretty, I'm not going to say queer baity, but there is... If you're looking for a strong, let's say, LGBT representation because of King Valkyrie, I'm going to be honest with you, like, it's, again, a case of, like, Marvel just sort of, you know, dropping hints, but not really doing much. And the reason why I bring it up is because somebody had asked me, you know, I am really excited about, you know, King Valkyrie being a lesbian. Like, uh, do you think there's going to be any representation? And I straight up said, I think that they're just gonna again tease it and i and i think that's a shame because king valkyrie by tessa thompson is such a great character that giving her a love story would have actually been a really nice benefit but the fact is that king valkyrie and jane foster almost share the same amount of screen time and then there are parts where like king valkyrie is sort of shoved shoved off to the side it feels kind of sad that King Valkyrie isn't even in the final battle, which is a shame because, you know, like we need more black MCU characters. There's even a joke in the old gaze, which is a YouTube channel that I watch in which they were looking at all the black characters and the Jesse, who is the black uh, member of the uh, old gaze, he says when he sees um, Tessa Thompson, oh, I love her black representation. But then he sees a picture of Zendaya, who actually does get a big part in Spider-Man movies. He's like, oh, um, you know, why are there no black girls? Like, he literally said that about, like, Zendaya, which is really sad because, like, Zendaya is black, but I think it speaks to the idea that, like, because Tessa Thompson is, like, a slightly darker-skinned black girl, that she doesn't get as big of a part, which is a shame. And I'm not trying to be political or anything, which is sad that I even have to mention that, but it's something that I've noticed and something that I feel needs to be said, which is that King Valkyrie is certainly not being utilized the best possible way, especially since Thor Ragnarok really introduced her and gave us like a really strong character. And especially since Avengers Endgame featured a cameo from her that was really fun and compelling. And so I'm excited to see how King Valkyrie is going to be in maybe Thor 5. I'm hoping that since certain things happen in this movie that she might actually for once be one of the lead characters again. Or at least feel like the second lead. But I don't know. I, I Again... It is a shame that Tessa Thompson is not given a stronger part, even though she is very good in the role. It's a shame. I really do think it's a shame. But overall, Thor Love and Thunder is a fun movie, but it maybe isn't the most emotionally investing. So I would say it's a solid three stars out of four. Solid three stars. Go have fun with it. You know what? I had fun with it. And you will too. Thank you for listening to Flicks and Picks. Go watch a great movie.